Welcome to Money MD, where the money doctors are in the house. We're giving out prescriptions for better financial health and making smart decisions with your money. We give common sense solutions to your complex problems. And now, here are the doctors. John, that was a quick fall. I think winter is almost here. It's going to be cold. It's going to be cold. Next week yeah. is going to be yeah, you know, Saturday, chilly. Saturday, tomorrow is supposed to be cold. But you know what? It's, it's kind of getting to be the holiday season. I mean, you got to get in the spirit get a little bit. Get in the spirit. You know? It's true. That'll get us right. It ready will. for eggnog and <laughs> right. hot hot chocolate and yeah. stuff like that. Yeah. That's true. That's true. I'm hearing Christmas music on the radio, 102.7. <laughs> I listened to it on the way in this morning. I was like, are you kidding me? It doesn't take long. Yeah, they 102.7 want to, if you want to listen to it. love Christmas music. That's good. That's good. Yeah, and football. Speaking of good, football. All our teams hey, won last you know, week, right? That's right. Georgia, Georgia had a big win over Georgia Florida. Georgia had a big win. South Carolina won, beat Vandy, and yeah. you know, Clemson won, beat a High school team? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> yeah. We, it was a good week for us. It was so a good week. Should be a fun day tomorrow. A big game with LSU and uh, Alabama. Alabama. Yep. So that'll be fun. That will be. And speaking of fun, we have some fun topics here, right? I mean, we got, uh, we're going to talk about uh, presidential election. Presidential election. <laughs> yeah. Exactly. Maybe not so fun. Yeah. You know, the, it's less than a year now. It's kidding. And it's, it's on. True. It's true. It, it is, is on. on. We're in the political season. Oh, my goodness. And, you know, there's articles coming out talking about if this person wins or this person wins, what the market's going to do. And nobody knows. True. Um, nobody knows what's going to happen. Um, so we're actually going to specifically talk about that. A lot of articles about if uh, uh, Elizabeth Warren wins the president, what does that look like? For the stock market. So we're going to kind of dive into that a little bit, see what the analysts are saying, and then we're going to tell you like it is. <laughs> see, <laughs> if tell the, you how. see if the doom and gloomers are right. right? <laughs> yeah, that's right. Right. That'll be good. And uh, we're also going to talk about the five mega mistakes that clients made. Um, it's an interesting article. It's out of Bottom Line Inc. And, you know, it's, it's coming from uh, advisors across the country. Some of the major mistakes they've seen people make mm-hmm. over the years. And so uh, we can certainly learn from those. Some some very big mistakes, very interesting articles. So we'll dive into that. But first, um, I'm Steve Marvin. I'm a certified financial planner and a Dave Ramsey Smart Vester Pro with over 24 years experience providing financial planning and investment advice. And I'm John Travis, also a Dave Ramsey Smart Vester Pro. I have an MBA in finance and have been helping corporations and individuals with planning for over 27 years. We're excited to have you listening to us today on our weekly show. Our podcasts are up every Friday afternoon. Yeah, check out our website, moneymd.net. We have a link to the podcast. A lot of videos, a lot of tools, calculators, and so forth. Go check that out. Also, a Facebook page, MoneyMD. Post a uh, weekly uh, video out there. And uh, we do have a Twitter handle. We're not tweeting a lot right now, I don't believe. But uh, we're out there in a lot of different uh, forums. Yeah, no shortage of ways to find us, and we'd love to hear from you. You could email us directly at info at moneymd.net. Well, John, we're going to start off here with the financial fact of the week. Yeah, this comes from Northwestern Mutual Planning and Progress Study, and not surprising. We see these uh, these facts out there. Dave Ramsey talks about this a lot, but uh, about 37% of about 2,000 Americans that were surveyed in the first quarter, they had less than $5,000 saved up in retirement accounts. So it doesn't say the age group. So it probably was a mix. Um, So folks that are older may have a little bit more than that. But boy, I tell you, um, you know, Social Security Day, the average Social Security check is about 12 to 1300 a month. Right. It's really hard to live on with that amount of money. Can't live on that. So So you got to save. Yeah, 5000 is really nothing, you know. I mean, if you had a $50,000 salary and you're following our recommendation of saving 15% per year, um, including your match, 
uh, that'd be $7,500 in the first year. So when you get your first good job for young people out there, um, you got to start early and you got to start hard because Social Security is probably not going to be what it is for today's retirees for, for young people. Yeah, that's right. So, And, uh, and the Ramsey organization has a good book, Chris Hogan, um, that they did a study on 10,000 millionaires. And you need to go check that book out. It gives you a lot of – and a lot of the people that are millionaires – they did it on, you know, teacher salaries and, you know, sometimes there's one person, sometimes there's two people, but you can't, it can be done. It's not easy, but it's, it's uh, easier than living on $1,200 a month. Absolutely. So anyway, good financial fact of the week. And that leads us up here to our first topic, and that is the presidential election. Is it going to, is it going to vastly affect the stock market, John? Is it going to, if the wrong person gets in, yeah. i.e. Elizabeth Warren's what we're talking about here, um, would that or Bernie Sanders, same thing, you know, would it would it or drive? Trump even again? I mean, we just don't you exactly. Know. You never know. We're hearing it from both sides, you know, and, and you just don't know. I mean, so the question is, how would that affect the stock? market? Yeah. So this this is specifically talking about Elizabeth Warren. She's um, a little bit ahead of uh, Biden right now. And so the analysts are looking at, you know, what would the stock market do if Elizabeth Warren, Warren uh, was the, the president? And, um, you know, certainly the expectation is that she would be tough on some sectors. Um, but this uh, one strategist from Jeffries uh, said it might not hurt the stock market as bad as feared. And let me just kind of make a just a personal comment. You know, when when um, the last election, everyone was saying if Trump won, the markets would do poorly. Yeah. At the end of the day, I mean, the presidency does have some impact on the economy, but there's Congress sitting out there to block a lot of things. And also at the end of the day, companies figure out how to um, maneuver in the current environment to make profits. They do. And you look at the tariff situation with China, people that, you know, the companies that were over in China building stuff, they've gone to different places now. So they, it doesn't happen overnight. But so at the end of the day, it doesn't matter who the president is. Markets have gone up historically, regardless if it's Democrat or Republican, right? So you just gave us the punchline. I did because I had to, just I had to. I, I'm sorry, but you know the, the Warren is a 2020 front runner. She's uh she's bashed the rich. She has a wealth tax that she's talked about. Um, you know she she's climbed in the polls recently, and there's a uh, you know pool of investors that uh, are worried that if she wins, the stock market is just going to tank. Right. Yeah. Those are the that's headlines. Right. That's right. That's right. They're saying, you know, and in our industry, you know, I mean, there's a kind of a general perception out there in the investment world um, that it would be a significant uh, correction, you know, if she were to win, um, that she would, you know, uh, kind of change the returns on capital expectations, earnings expectations, regulations would go up, taxes would go up, all those things. And that would hurt the stock market. That's kind of the general perception that's, that's out the there. perception. That's right. And, there, you know, there was another uh, comments from a billionaire, Paul Tudor Jones. Um, he predicted the S&P 500 would uh, go into a bear market if uh, Warren was president. Um, and uh, but this analyst says, you know, the impact on the stock market may be more tempered. Um, people forget she's not that different than Obama. Um, you know, if you put the two of them side by side in 2007, they had similar agendas, health care and regulation. Uh, financial, energy, and environment were focuses as well. And, um, you know, this goes on to say Obama, the stock market did very well under Obama. Now he took over when the markets had gone down 50%. So, um, but I mean, the point is, is that when Obama was in office, you know, he had headwinds from Congress. So he wasn't able to implement everything that he had talked about and hoped for. Right. Right. So the Congress is the the, uh, piece here that uh, people are forgetting that do, it, it slows things down basically. 
Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. Under Obama, you mentioned, you know, the market did do pretty well, um, but it was coming out of the Great Recession. So it was starting from a very, very low point. But the bottom line is the market did average, really, you know, from from the years that he was in um, and did the same thing under under Bush. When you kind of wash it all out, you know, there were there were good periods and there were bad periods, but it wasn't specifically related to the president. It was more related to the economy and mm-hmm. earnings. Yeah. And, and uh, uh, President Obama was known for his signature health care law, which was known as Ob- Obamacare. Right. Uh, expanded health care coverage. Uh, you know, healthcare is still broken today. <laughs> it's just a mess. Uh, Warren is a fierce supporter of Medicare for all, uh, which would also put the government in charge of providing health insurance for for all Americans. And um, she's uh, you know supported an end to private health insurance plans. Um, she's taken a hard stance on energy policy of big companies, um, just as Obama did with his clean power plan. And, you know, that pressured the coal industry. And so, you know, it, it you know, it's, they're starting to look at certain industries that may be impacted by this. Warren's stance on some of the issues have have uh, warned um, that drug, drug makers, in addition to energy and financial companies, could take the most heat under the Warren administration. So uh, some people don't think she's going to be friendly towards the technology industry. And, you know, there's also been many warnings uh, from analysts that Warren would may even be tougher on China than Trump. That's interesting. Yeah. That, really... that's, 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 yeah I've heard that. Have you? Yeah, it's interesting. Yeah. So the, the yeah. former White House chief strategist Steve Bannon uh, earlier told CNBC that uh, she's trying to get to the right of President Trump on the on the China issue. So, you know, there's a lot of speculation right now. And Steve, this is, I mean, in my opinion, and I think in our opinions, this is all noise. I mean, don't right. make portfolio moves based on these these articles and these projections because nobody knows. Yeah, a lot of posturing going on. I think it is generally understood that, that Warren is not friendly toward industry mm-hmm. in general, yep. you know, Um I, I don't know of any industry that she's really friendly toward, but that can only speculate yeah. how many. <laughs> well, but that doesn't mean that that's going to impact um, but, international stocks, right? No, and, right. It's and, it's like regulation. I mean, you know, even if she were able to get her 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 agenda through in terms of regulations, it would take years before it really affected. And like you said, it, you know, industries they adjust. They do they very quickly. <clears throat> you know, that's the great thing about capitalism is is companies can pivot very quickly and they can start getting from, you know, their material from other suppliers. Mm -hmm. They can start selling something different. You know, I have no doubt that the healthcare industry would still somehow survive, you know, if, if, if we had a Medicare for all thing, I don't know what they would do. I'm sure they're thinking, I guarantee you they're planning on it right now. I promise you they would pivot very quickly, but, uh, but you know, the same token, like you said, Congress. I mean, you have to have a super majority in the Senate, really, to be able to get your agenda through. And that's that hasn't happened in, I can't remember when we had the last super majority. I mean, that would be over 60 votes. That mm-hmm. just hasn't happened yeah. in, in modern history. Um, but yeah, the U.S., uh, you know, has the trade war going on. And, you know, both sides are imposing, you know, have imposed several rounds of tariffs on each other's goods um, with several negotiations breaking down with sticking points, although we did get a uh, it sounds like kind of a phase one deal that supposedly is going to be signed this month or before the end of the year. Um, so there has been some movement there, but um, but that dispute has upset the markets and it's upended supply chains and it's hit manufacturing activity as well as the sale of uh, of companies, including American ones. So 
Um, so, you know, it, it is it is affecting things and, um, you know, policies do matter, but it takes time. Yeah. And so this article goes on to talk about how her approach to um, to China may be yeah, a little bit less um, guns blazing, you know, uh, maybe a little bit more, um, you know, acquired her approach to try to not upset the culture and so forth. And um, so, Steve, I, you know, I, I pulled this because I'm seeing these articles uh, a lot, a lot of discussion around. Um, and I'm actually starting to have conversations with our clients about, you know, this particular topic and, uh, boy, to make decisions, uh, even as we get closer to the election on who's going to be the president, I just don't think is a wise move. I mean, we don't know, um, we, we can't forecast it. Capitalism has worked through democratic presidents and Republican, uh, presidents. You've got Congress as another, you know, kind of, um, uh, you know, something in front of the presidency to keep them in check. And so don't make rash decisions on, on your future. So on what you're saying is don't worry about it. Just <laughs> Basically, you know, I mean, watch football or something or something. <laughs> Capitalism There's... has worked very well historically. Right. And it's right. not perfect, but it has worked through all different types of noise events like what we're hearing now. So Absolutely, yeah. I mean, politics do not drive <clears throat> the stock market and neither do the administrations that are in the White House. So... Uh, that's kind of the moral of the story, you know. Yes, it don't, is. don't really worry about that aspect of it. Don't worry about things you can control, and um, mm-hmm. politics isn't one of them. And it doesn't, fortunately, doesn't drive the stock market. So it, it won't. It, it shouldn't make a huge difference in the long run. Um, okay, and that leads us up here to our question of the week. Yeah, and talking about things you can control. I mean, this question is. Uh, an easy one. I have 140 in cash and about 30,000 in credit card debt. Should I pay off the debt? And the answer, Duh. Well, yeah, <laughs> yeah. Control your debt level. Pay off debt. Get out of debt. Um, you know, debt brings stress and uh, mortgages the future and so forth. So uh, you've got enough cash on hand to pay that off very quickly and not jeopardize your family's future. So, yes. Yeah, if you have off. that much cash <laughs> and only 30000 mean, well, only, that's a lot of credit card it debt. It is. But it's a lot of cash. They must have inherited some money or something. But, uh, but yeah, then take your credit cards and, like, put them in a bucket filled with water <laughs> yeah. and then stick that in the freezer. Yeah. And, uh, yeah, then it'll take you about two days to get to your credit card. Yeah. That's what you need to do. Or cut them up. That would be cut the other, up other would be option. Cut them up good, too. Yeah. I mean, most people can't. Put them in the bucket first, and then you can <laughs> cut them up a year later. But, uh, it would take a while to thaw out, unless you put it in the microwave, which could uh, be dangerous. It would be hard to put a whole bucket of water in the microwave. <laughs> yes, so. it would. Good question of the week. And that leads us up here to our next topic, and that is the five mega mistakes that clients made. Um yeah, John, this is an interesting article out of Bottom Line uh, Inc. here recently. And, um, you know, we've seen people make some classic mistakes over our careers, um, which have cost them hundreds of thousands of dollars. I remember the guy who got scared out of the market finally and sold everything oh. on March the 10th, 2009, the very bottom of the Great Recession. Oh, my goodness. You know, ten, some ten, over 10 years ago. And uh, yeah, he missed like a ninety percent gain in the S and P over the next twelve months. Um, that was that was painful, and I'd been talking to him for months and months, trying to, you know, calm him down and you know just get him to stick through it. And he picked the very worst last mm. day to get out. I had know. some some clients that started in February of two thousand and nine. Oh wow! They, they they had some cash and like CDs, and they put about one hundred and fifty into a brokerage account. Wow. 
really good timing. And they, <laughs> well, so, and then they, it's February 2009, so the next year they thought you were a genius. Yeah, that's right. right. I mean, the markets just took off. <laughs> took so off. You just never that's know. fantastic. That's right. Yeah, you never know. So, uh, but we've seen some whoppers over the years. And so, but here are some very interesting mega mistake stories from other advisors around the country and what we can learn from these from these um, huge blunders. Um, bottom line personal, they asked five of the top country's top advisors um, to reveal the most memorable blunders that their clients made, um, often disregarding the advice of the advisor. And so here are the takeaways and the lessons for consumers and, and investors out there from these mistakes. Yeah, so here's one a big mistake here. Home renovation uh, went, <laughs> went crazy. Um, uh, this couple of this advisor had dreamed of redoing their kitchen. So it was about a hundred thousand dollar project and they kept postponing it until retirement. And at that point they were, uh, they weren't content to just redo the kitchen. They gutted the entire downstairs and wound up renovating most of the first floor of a uh, big old house. And the final bill came to about $450,000. Oh my goodness. Ouch. And, uh, the out of control expense forced them to drain a lot of their money in the taxable accounts. And they started drawing, on their investments in their tax-deferred retirement accounts, selling many of the investments uh, years earlier than they had planned. And you know what's worse is that pushed them into a higher tax bracket, and it basically gutted their their comfortable retirement nest egg. So that uh, that kitchen turned into a a curse, basically. Yeah, that that can be painful. I I sat down with somebody here in the past year that had bought an old house. And then put like six hundred fifty thousand oh dollars into it, renovating it. Had like eight hundred fifty thousand in it now, and so they were underwater by a couple hundred thousand dollars. No way they could possibly get that money back out when mm. they sold it. So, yeah, some huge mistakes out there um, when it comes to houses. So the lesson is: be careful about you know splurging when you first retire. <clears throat> it's tempting because you know you're probably the wealthiest you've ever been, and. You've kind of earned the right to reward yourself, um, but your savings may have to last 30 or 40 years with only limited income to replenish it. So we recommend that clients, you know, do the big renovation projects as soon as you can afford it during your working years rather than waiting until retirement. That way you, know, you get more time to enjoy the results, but also if the project goes over budget, um, you know, you still, you're still earning a salary to kind of cushion the blow and you have the option to work longer. So, uh yeah, don't save those big renovations for retirement. Next one we have here, though, is an unfortunate mistake after a husband's death. Um, a woman uh, husband, a woman's husband died suddenly when she was about 60 years old. He had been an executive for a financial services firm, and, and uh, she had not really been involved or even aware of their financial decisions, um, particularly those related to his pension and uh, but she had been content to let him handle the finances and they they rarely spoke about planning and those sorts of things. Um, fortunately, though, he had a pension plan with survivor benefits and uh, that started paying uh, his his widow about thirty thousand dollars a year. Um, and that was a lifesaver for her because, you know, she had to pay her expenses, didn't have any much other income sources other than Social Security uh, so that she was able to maintain her lifestyle. But then in her mid 70s. She came running to her advisor in a panic. Um, she had received a notice that the monthly checks were going to end when she turned 80. Um, the survivor pension only lasts to age 80. Hmm. Um, for some reason, uh, nobody really knows. I mean, her, her deceased spouse had chosen a survivor benefit uh, benefits that only went for 20 years after his death. 
Um, you know, that put a terrible strain on her ability to continue to make ends meet. As a result, she had no choice but to pare back her spending, start liquidating her remaining investments, and resort to a reverse mortgage in her final years. So, yeah, that's that's pretty painful. You want to make sure that you, 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 you understand. Like that. That's right. Yeah, so the mm-hmm. lesson is, is, you know, it's okay if one spouse or a partner oversees, you know, your, your financial life, uh, as long as the other person is informed about some of the key details and, um, you know, these decisions need to be understood and documented. And you should always ensure that you have a thorough and uh, complete survivor income plan. So one spouse passes away, the other spouse knows, hey, where's my income going to come from? What is it going to look like? I know we spend a lot of time on retirement plans and kind of going through those scenarios as well. Absolutely. That's very, very important. Okay, that was good. And then the next one here is a $1,500 repair that could have saved uh, $30,000. Um or more when you hear the story here. A man in his he owned a, a late model Ford Ranger pickup truck. Um, the transmission went out unexpectedly, so it needed about fifteen hundred dollars of repairs, but was still uh, a good overall you know vehicle. It was paid off, and he had modest means, and and the you know vehicle didn't have a lot of mileage. Um, but the the man did not have an emergency fund, so he didn't have the money to make the repair. So faced with no transportation to get to work, he um, <clears throat> saw a car dealership ad in the newspaper, and it was offering no money down deal to go buy a new Ford F-150 pickup truck for $30,000. So young man's girlfriend called his advisor at the dealership as he was committing himself to many years <laughs> of a sizable monthly payment, um, not to mention much higher insurance rates. Uh, all because he didn't have $1,500 in his emergency fund to make the repair. Um, you know, it, it was a shame because little planning would have prevented this costly mistake. And, uh, you know, he couldn't really afford to drive a new truck and couldn't endure the $5,000 depreciation he's going to endure now on a new truck. So, yeah. painful. Yeah, that is. And, you know, the lesson is, is even smart people are susceptible to uh, impulsive and irrational financial decisions. Um, when they feel desperate in the wake of poor planning. And there's also stress when you're buying a vehicle, you know, you see that new shiny yeah. Ford truck and he's like, oh, I can, I can do this. It's only what, $500 a month, whatever the, the number is. So stress certainly distorts your perception of potential outcomes. And it uh, also inhibits your, your thinking and leads you to disregard some of the long-term consequences of your choices. choices. So, um, you know, if you risk an, uh, making an impulsive decision that may backfire, Wait 24 hours. Um, freeze those credit cards. Yeah, right? absolutely. You know, you'll find that the the delay allows you to think more clearly and kind of weigh a variety of options, and uh, it'll help you make a better choice long term. Yeah, you definitely want to take a breather before you start making those rash decisions when you're under stress. Um, another one here, though, is um, is a, was a well-to-do woman in her 70s who came to her advisor looking for a steady flow of cash for her investments. Um, so they put some of our assets into municipal grade bonds, um, which had an average annual yield of about 3%. Uh, it's pretty typical for tax-free bonds. Uh, but it wasn't enough for her. I mean, she insisted uh, she, she insisted on investing the rest of her money that she had in a fund that she picked herself. It was a high-yield muni bond fund that paid about 5% um, after-tax yield. Uh, but it had some questionable credit quality. She was warned by her advisor that, you know, that this fund uh, was was 
was had tempting yields because it was issuing bonds from uh, it used bonds that were issued from Puerto Rico um, mm. that had been on the verge for a, of a financial meltdown for years. Um, but unfortunately, she didn't heed that warning, and uh, the bonds she thought the bonds were relatively safe, or the fund was at a good performance. Puerto Rico unfortunately ended up defaulting on many of those bonds in her fund. The woman, you know, finally dropped the fund after investment lost a hundred and fifty thousand wow. dollars in value. Yeah, sometimes those uh, those higher yields are well, they're there because there's more risk. Absolutely, that's that's the only way that's the way that works. That's right. That's more risk, right. more return. Yeah, I mean, bonds do have risk, you know, and you have to be aware of the interest rate risk, quality risk of fixed income investments. Fixed income investors, they've suffered through an era of historically low interest rates, which may continue for some time. But, you know, searching for yield with bonds is dangerous, um, you know, with with either longer term bonds or lower credit qualities. And so, um, you know, bonds are for capital preservation. They're for dependable income. They're for providing a crucial shock absorber to your portfolio to offset the more volatile investments in your portfolio. Um, so if you have the time, the temperament to take more risk, then you need to do that by putting a portion of your investments in stocks instead of bonds. Um, bonds don't provide a good trade-off in, in return for taking higher risk. So if you want to take more risk, do it with stocks. Keep the fixed income portion of your portfolio relatively safe. That's the moral of the story. Yeah, and the last mega mistake here is a professional athlete who didn't understand uh, his investment. He had a million dollars. He was pitched by a uh, broker to take that, put it into a high-octane hedge fund, and uh, the kind of fund that was uh, usually reserved for the ultra-wealthy and uh, uses a complicated, hard-to-understand strategy. Athlete was mesmerized by the fund's allure. Uh, it had hundreds of pages of disclosures, talking about the risk and the annual fees as high as 11%. And, uh, yeah, after seven several years in the fund, uh, it drastically underperformed the, the stock market. Uh, the athlete decided to pull his money out, invested elsewhere. But that's when he found out that um, he had right to gate redemptions, meaning that he can only take a small percentage of his investment out each year. So he had you know limited liquidity. So he's been making withdrawals for years and is still a long way from being out of that fund. So yeah, you got to be careful. I mean, um, you know, there's a there's a lot of illiquid investments. That 11 percent fee, that's pretty crazy. That's pretty crazy. I've never heard of one quite that high. No. Yeah. Yeah. So the moral here is don't be tempted, you know, to invest in complicated vehicles you don't understand, regardless of how appealing it sounds. You know, a boring, well-diversified portfolio has proven time and again to produce more reliable returns with with a predictable amount of risk. Investors often, you know, get in trouble because they feel like they, they need something to be sophisticated, more aggressive, because they're attracted to kind of the sexy investments. Um, you know, you, you would rather be in a boring investment that grows your money in a steady, predictable fashion. Complicated strategies often sound like they're, they, they'll be more profitable than the simple ones. Um, but transparent strategies such as stock funds, um, you know, eventually they went out. I mean, these complexities, they push up fees, they increase the likelihood of unexpected consequences. They create unnecessary risk and, you know, it makes managers arrogant because they don't have uh, much accountability to mm -hmm. investors. So, you know, if you don't understand it, yeah, you, you, you need to. You need to back away and, yeah. and get get a second opinion. Absolutely. Um, for sure. So 
Good topic, and that leads up to our final thing here, and that is the prescription of the week. Yeah, I mentioned uh, listening to Christmas music on the way into work. 102.7, if you're interested, you know, I know we're in November here, but uh, <laughs> it's on. I see commercials, uh, you know, on TV with uh, jingles and so forth. So, y- yeah, we're about six weeks away, Steve. So, it's, wow, you know, that's, that's hard to believe. Yeah, it is so coming, isn't it? if you've done no planning, you got to you got to do something. You don't want to make uh, Christmas 2019 a 2020 event. So don't go and just blow your budget and get into debt with, with Christmas. Sit down and, um, you know, we've, we've done segments on this before, you know, instead of exchanging gifts with all family members, maybe you pick one and you rotate, um, instead of going and buying stuff, you make stuff. So there's ways to, to give memorable gifts without spending a lot of money. But now's the time to think about it. If you haven't already planned and done that, you need to sit down uh, with your significant other or find an accountability partner and talk through that because you don't want to blow your, your budget based on 2019 Christmas. And there's still time to save for it, you know, six there is. weeks. I mean, you yeah. can, you know, just cut down over the next month and save some extra <clears throat> money if necessary. Don't let this turn into, you know, a credit card bonanza yeah. where you start pulling out the cards. So and- you're saying maybe play less golf. Is that one yeah, of your... Yeah, right. Well, if you hurt your shoulder, that that happens naturally, John. <laughs> okay, <all laughs> That's right. what's happened to me. So there you go. Start planning for Christmas. All right. Well, that brings us to a close for this week's edition of Money MD. Tune in next week to hear more prescriptions for your financial health. Check us out for our website, uh, moneymd.net. Email us your questions at info at moneymd.net. Or give us a call at Richard Young Associates at 706 706- Seven three nine zero seven two five. Thanks for listening. Have a great rest of the week. Have a good one. This program contains general information only and should not be taken as specific investment, tax, or legal advice. This broadcast is not a solicitation for the purchase or sale of any security. SmartVestor Pro is not connected to investment returns. Further information is available by contacting Richard Young Associates, a registered investment advisor. 